Hey everybody, welcome back to Advanced Kayak Angler. I appreciate you listening. Uh, if this is your first time hearing it, please like and share. I'd appreciate it. Uh, this week, I just put on a new YouTube video going over my my 2023 tournament rig, Hobie PA14. Uh, this is my, I've got live scope in the mail. It actually came in today. I'm waiting for everything else. So this is my pre-live scope setup. I'm, I was a little bit, I was pretty excited to share that. So there you go. And Daniel Perry fishing on YouTube. If you want to check it out, you're welcome to, uh, this week have, we're talking about Creek fishing, something I don't know a lot about. And I was fortunate enough. I have a lot of respect for both these guys. I was able to get the two best Creek fishermen in the country, the, Two of the best guys I know. So here they are. Uh, we got Lance Coley and Drew Gregory. How y'all doing? What's up, Dan? What's oh, up? Doing good, man. Dude, where are you at? I don't even see you on the screen. Are you are you here? Are you a me? ghost? Yeah. You don't see me? You're black. You're black to Lance. And I, are you, do you see him, Lance? I don't see him. I don't see him. See He's, me now? It's swirling. No. Gone. Really? Uh, we don't see you. Got no video. There he huh. is. There it is. There it is. I've been here the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> it's the internet. Who knows? Right. I I'm I have a direct link too. I I like I literally ran all the way down from my modem up in my upstairs. I ran it all the way through the house and through the flooring and everything else. So it should be good, but it's Alabama. Who yeah. knows, man? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what it is? Russians. I don't know. <laughs> just blame the Russians. Yeah, just blame. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. So they're not listening. They don't have bass, dude. I'm not worried yeah, about any Russian yeah. uh, fallout fall out here, my direction. Do they have bass? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think know. they do. So I don't think I don't any care. Russians are listening to this. <laughs> they, they probably do the carp thing like a lot of people in Europe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Ice fishing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we're talking about creek fishing. And really, what I wanted to do is just an intro to creek fishing, just an intro to super skinny water. That's something that I know this year in my mind, one of the things I really want to get better at this year is creek fishing, shallow water, uh, not only in the summer, but the whole year to, you know, just get out, see a little bit more wild places and, and do a, a just check out water. I usually don't fish cause I'm usually a late guy. So I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone. I know Lance, you've been doing the opposite where you're trying to get on the lake more. So I'm trying to do, you know, the reverse <laughs> of what you're doing. So, yeah. So there we go. That's why we're having the show and hopefully y'all get something from it. Cause I know I will. Uh, so, all right, we'll start with kayaks. You know, that, that's seems like the, the best place to start. We happen to have Drew Gregory, the inventor of the the camp chair, high low seating. I mean, this is you've designed kayaks. So tell me, Drew, you start, but y'all tell me like what is a creek boat? What are you looking for? And where are kind of attributes that that boat should have? Yeah, sure, man. Uh, you know, it's really not complicated. Uh, although I think our industry makes it very complicated because we marketing departments are very good they're very good at selling stuff even though it may not be quote unquote the best fit for a creek or a river but in general and i let lance expand i mean you, you just want to you want to think about obviously the way it performs in the water but also getting it to and from the water because a lot of creeks and or most creeks don't have boat launches which is why lance you and i we we know this this is why we got into this sport to begin with right to get, you know, less is more, get away from 
all the moving parts, gas, motors, you know, I had a little bass boat, you know, all the stuff that could break and just get back to simple fishing, paddle, tackle box, lightweight kayak, go. So basically, uh, you want to stick to a boat, you know, 12 foot and under. The, the Sholey I designed for Crescent is 11 foot 10, just under 12. Uh, but ideally, you really want to be like mid 70 pounds and under. I mean, really, because by the time you add your gear and everything on there, it's no longer 75 pounds like the Sholey is. It, it adds up, and that's not easy to get in and out of some of those places. And if you're saying to yourself, well, I can't get in there, my boat's too heavy, or I can't get it out, now you defeated the whole pur purpose of having a kayak and you're not, you're no longer going to fish those places. Therefore you're going to be launching in places more like where boat ramps are. You're going to be trailering your boat and therefore not hitting those unpressured fish that it's, it's wide lengths. And I love this. So anyway, that's kind of the, the gist of it. Um, but you want a good Creek boat should be very maneuverable as well. Um, you know, that way you can avoid the obstacles uh, rather than getting swept into them. So quick maneuvering, like a little sports car turning real easily. And uh, in my opinion, the bow and, you know, the, the bow and stern have to have a decent amount of rocker. And then from, from like right to left on the boat, you know, where you're seated should have a nice curvature to it because you don't want a straight flat wall for lack of a better example, like a Hobie pro anglers, a real tall straight wall. And when you get sideways in the current, you know, perpendicular, that's just more surface area for the current to push you where you don't want to go. Cause you're turning to avoid something. Most likely you're making the turn perpendicular in the river. So yeah, that's kind of it. You want to be able to, the Sholey's kind of real rounded right there. So you can lean even a little bit downstream, like you'll see whitewater kayakers do. If you watch whitewater kayaking videos to uh, lift up more of that wall to the uh, the upstream side, the, the current can't hit it. If there's no wall there, it just hits the underneath part of the kayak and slides underneath it. So anyway, you can get, avoid the obstacle and get downstream without it pushing you. It just slides underneath you and you kind of stay more where you're at. You know what I mean? In terms of downstream, upstream. But yeah, that's the thing people forget about the most important thing, hole design, hole, hole, hole. What you got, Lance? That, that's be becoming a lost art with all the uh, motor. Oh yeah. Is uh, <clears throat> how well these things paddle. Yeah. Um, I would uh, not really disagree, but I think there's two two kinds of creek boats. Uh, mm -hmm. One, like you described, uh, is very good at doing float trips, especially when the water's up or you're on a river with a lot of rocks. Stuff. The other is actually my preferred type. Doesn't have any rocker at all. It's a very straight tracking boat, and I prefer that for paddle-ups. Upstream, flat water, yeah. Yeah, so if it's not a, too crazy of a, you know, there's no white water or anything like that to navigate, and I'm just going up a fairly flatland creek, um, I prefer, like, the the commander it's got a lot of um mm -hmm. what is it called chine mm -hmm. it, it, it's all it's almost got a front and rear keel the way the um it's it's opposite rocker <laughs> uh, and it, 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 and this mm -hmm. is going to be a thing too like drew like lance you're talking more like kind of backwater creeks where it's a little bit flatter and drew it seems like a lot yeah. of times you're fishing like a little bit more moving water so, so like the sports car analogy would be if the water is moving, it would be better because you're in current and then backwater, maybe something a little bit less like it, it's, it's hard to define Creek, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah say so much backwater. It's just the type of Creek because uh, yeah. where Drew is or where I think Drew grew up mostly in, in around 
the uh, fall line, the steep part of the fall line over in Georgia, South Carolina, um, you get a lot of um, a lot of elevation drop, a lot of you know class two, three rapids and rocks, and it's just a lot of fun water over there. Mm-hmm. Over Alabama and Mississippi, where I grew up, the creeks are more they're not that wild. <laughs> they're yeah. the uh, the fast water is pretty straight. You know, it's a, a run between two pools, basically. There's not a lot of maneuvering that you have to do. So a boat, especially if you're going upstream and downstream, really, if you're not having to maneuver, a boat with a lot of, um, I, I think chine is the right word. I'm, that might be mm-hmm. wrong. If it tracks straight, it's actually better than one with a lot of rocker that's real maneuverable because you can maintain your boat position a little better. But so if if I wanted to go to like one of those big fall line rivers or even small creeks over there in Georgia, South Carolina, I'd probably prefer something like, you know, the, the crescent line. Cause I know those boats have a lot more rocker, but over here, um, something in the wilderness line that tracks a little better, works better. And pa- I- right. Those paddle ups you're doing. Yeah. You know, for sure. And they can get swift. Those rivers, they just, it just takes, more water to like get them up and moving exactly uh, and like where you're at pretty straight so. yeah for sure i what i do to solve that problem on downstream um float trips is just ha- have my drag chain hanging out of the the back because you if a if a boat has a lot of uh sidewall in the water cuts in steep and hard uh like a canoe for example um you can never change that by anything on you know what i'm saying you can never change that going down river once you have that boat that's it but you can but if it's maneuverable you can have a drag chain hanging out the back to keep you straight you know what i'm saying on your way down or just have it hanging not even touching the, the river bottom and it keeps you just going straight where you're not spinning when you don't want to be if that makes sense so you can always fix that with something like that but you can never fix if it's the opposite way you can never fix it because once you turn broadside in the current it's now got more of a wall if you will a steep uh, more surface area to push you where you don't want to go but if you're doing paddle up trips it's not a, not as critical um probably is the uh, the other way you know what i mean now you will get turned obviously in ferry i know lance you ferry you got good river skills so like mm. you and i could get in any boat and be successful just because we know how much time to give ourselves but those beginners are the ones who probably, you know, won't be, won't be as good at that. So, you, so it might be, so, cause I'd be if up there up, for a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll take, it takes a little practice for we're sure. Old, uh, capers is stand up paddle boards yeah. back. Hey, so <laughs> we were the, uh, earn from your stations. Yep. Ocean kayak caper was my first kayak, believe it or not. You don't know Ocean Kayak. A lot of you guys listening know Old Town, but it was a Johnson Outdoors product. Ocean Kayak was the brand, and that's what Lance and I had. It's lightweight, little 11, 11 foot three. What was that thing? Like fifty pounds? Uh, it was forty three. Yeah, forty three. Super light. I wore through the a few of those. Yeah, I have a Diablo Amigo. That's that's pretty much what that is. Just a yeah paddle board. So it explain a drag chain. Uh, you, I know you were talking about, and that's something like, you know, I see people with drag chains or like the Sholey or the new Bonafide River, like they have 
drag chain, you know, like a cutout for the drag chain. So it's right. just to slow you down and, and keep you straight. That's like, I literally don't even know what it's for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, currents are moving constantly around you. They're not consistent. They're, they're hitting left, right. They're going every direction in the river. And so that'll affect your, your boat. But in general, the, obviously the currents moving downstream, but when you get in those swirling areas and stuff, I mean, and, or if think about it like this too, if you're out in the middle of the river where, um, it's a little bit swifter and you want to be throwing into the calm spots, the eddies on the banks or behind boulders or whatnot. Um, it allows you to slow yourself down and fish those spots like right, left, wherever you're trying to throw without just getting swept downstream. You know, it takes a little practice to, to use one properly, but the only, only other option, if you don't have a drag chain, pe you'll notice people are eddying out in those spots and that's where the fish are. So before you, and then they eddy out and then they look around like, all right, where can I fish? But they obviously, they just eddied out right on top of a lot of the fish. They want, they should have cast there first at least. And then even with the drag chain, you still paddle with it down. You can still move your kayak with it down, then paddle over there in that spot and hit some other casting angles that you can get from that eddying out spot, if that makes sense. So You mean eddying like they had to turn around in the spot that they wanted to fish? Yeah, it was yeah. the only current break yes yeah, like an eddy is just like that current break that calm spot but that's where the fish live you know most of the time so drag chain can help you be out in the swifter water it, but it slows you down like a trolling motor is moving you slowly along a bank in a bass boat this is almost like the opposite right it's you're, like it'd be slowing you down so you can effectively fish a bank or an area without just blowing by it the same way a bass boat if you had it on full speed high then you could not hit every like down there in Kissimmee with the uh the, the tournament we just saw the or the Okeechobee. If you had it on high, you couldn't throw at that grass, this grass, that that isolated lily pads. You would have to make choices. You're gonna miss some, but a drag chain helps you not have to miss any because it can slow you down. But uh, yeah. And what's uh, I see people have different ones. They use chain. They use uh, like how do you determine how much weight you should have or how much chain you should use? Just how, how do you change it every time? Or is it just one? Does it depend on how fast a current is or. Uh, Lance, do you use drag chains much anymore? I, I don't or use them. Paddle up. And, but most of the time I paddle up. Right. So I, and again, with the type of boat that I like over here, it, it tracks straight. So I don't have to adjust too much, but if, if, uh, if you're doing floats and, and that's just, I'm, I'm just a product of the way I've fished over the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I travel a lot and I don't have a lot of, didn't have a lot of float partners. So I, that my style is just to paddle up. So that's right. my, my nuances may not mean as much to other people, but I, at one time I did use drag chains and, and I would use about, three feet of um i think inch and a half chain doubled over so it was like 18 inches long and then i just wrap it in gorilla tape yeah and um i think it's probably i don't know three pounds uh, yeah. maybe that <clears throat> it's definitely boat dependent it's definitely current dependent and what you do uh logging chain is the way to go uh, a bike inner tube is good to cover it. You just don't want to give the river anywhere to, to hold, hang up, you know, for a little stick yeah. that's stuck to the bottom. It's actually connected to a larger tree could hang you up. And I find 24 inches is about right. It's a uh, kind of the length uh, of the last islet where you're, where the uh, Sholey will 
you can't go any further if you're if you're using whatever you're using a an anchor wizard or a I know Yak Gadget's got one out that's similar to an anchor wizard now, yeah. and um, it's it's basically this as far as you can pull that that chain up and it's about 24 inches. You just basically don't want the the end of your chain to to drag below the uh, hull of the kayak. That way. When you do need to get full speed out of the kayak, you can crank it up and it's all the way on board on your boat. And now you can paddle hard and it's not like it's just, you know, behind the butt of the kayak there yeah. on the ass, if you will. And if it's not actually it's not even, dragging anymore, it's not dragging anymore and it's not even hanging down. Yeah. So I 24 inches, you can bend it over like Lance is doing. Of course, you do that. Then then most of your boats that have drag chain shoots, it won't really fit up in there. But I, I just do a single that's why I do it. But Gorilla Tape is also good. That works. It kind of gets, you know, worn down eventually. But that's just to kind of silence it a little bit so it doesn't make too much noise on the river bottom. But the rule of thumb for a drag chain, um, I know we probably want to move on to some else, but the rule of thumb, guys, this is important, is you don't ever drop a drag chain if the water is too swift where you can't backwards paddle back upstream because that's one of the ways you get it out. Is you, will, you If you really get hung, you could always back paddle upstream, back upstream, um, because if it hangs, sometimes you won't have enough slack to actually turn the boat around. You see what I'm saying? It's going to be tight. So you can't get your boat turned around to go forward back upstream to get it out of where it came in or it got stuck. So make sure you don't drag, uh, ever drop it in water. That's too swift. The other key, uh, thing to remember buy a boat that uh, obviously most boats don't have a drag chain recess, like the, the Sholey. But if you do are buying a boat, looking at a new boat, it's important that you have your line on the ex outside of the boat so that, so that because when when crap hits the fan you want to be able to grab that line and pull it real hard to get it unstuck and if you know if it's like not on the outside of the boat so try don't run it inter internally that's not going to help you uh because if you need to get unstuck you need to pull a knife out and cut it and you don't want some little teeny little gap right when when you're when stuff's going wild you do yeah. not want oh, yeah. to you know you do not want to you know, have to like be fumbling, trying to find the exact little spot where it's going through your internally inside your hole. So it's a big safety issue there as well. So I've, I've got a bad spot before with just an anchor It's just a big, like a, I think it's a four pound salmon weight. Yeah. I was up on Pickwick and there was a good bit of current. And that's, that's one of the reasons I only, I don't use one anymore. I, I just kind of found what a pedal drive. It's, it's mm -hmm. not that always that necessary, but, that's kind of what I, I was worried about an anchor chain is what if you got in a bad spot, but it makes sense if the water's running, mm -hmm. too, you know, too swift, don't use it. Yeah, for sure. It, there you go. And the Sholey, just, just another uh, point on that boat. Like it's the beauty of the whole design on the Sholey is because there's rocker in the front. Like it, it's funny. Cause I know what Lance is saying. He's just a really good angler and those boats work great. Cause it's kind of proves the point that you could almost do this in any boat, but Obviously, when you really get into it hardcore, the more specific boat you get for it, obviously the the better and better you'll be able to do. But the more like it, it if it goes in super hard and sharp, anytime you get start to get turned slightly to the current, you're giving you're giving boat you're giving boat to it to start sweeping you the other way. But with rocker, it allows it to, and that's why we have those channels down the underside of the shoulder. It's real flat, but it's got these channels that keep you straight, but without being like a hard pointy you know, keel or bow, when you, when you start turning a little bit in the current, it just pushes you quicker and off. But, you know, like Lance is saying, you can do it in any boat and his is, uh, his has worked really good for him, you know, so. It, it, that, it is, it is a knife edge. If, yeah. 
and and I actually I have a one arm paddle technique where I brace it against my forearm and I can just lay the paddle in my lap and I can just make a quick adjustment. Right. Reeling in a lure. Second uh, nature. Yeah, it's it's like so second. It, as long as I keep that nose straight, it'll it'll coast basically. Right perfectly in the current but it does get off too much it's i'm spun out so <laughs> spun out, yeah the uh front anchor though you do you use a front anchor sometimes or or not, not i've used it some but not much i mean if if i use it it's it's this time of year yeah, um it's swifter yeah it's water's a little swifter and the fish aren't quite as aggressive yeah a little cool and i want to work a spot a little more than a cast or two i'll I'll put a front acre on it and post out and make several casts. But yeah. I'm like in the by mid spring and summer and fall, right? I'm one maybe two casts to a spot, and I'm making a couple yep. more paddle strokes and moving on. I'm with you, man. I don't really use the front acre as much at all, even when I'm doing paddle up trips, because when when you get tight to the bank or whatever, you, you like the water's actually moving back upstream a lot of the the times, you know, or it's just dead calm or it's not it's not bad at all. So like you say, you just kind of, you're just kind of coasting kind of kind of your last paddle stroke. You kind of make sure you're going nice and straight and you don't go too fast and too hard. Cause you don't want slack being created with your cast either. If you're parallel on a bank, right? So the faster you go, it's more like you're creating slack and we already have lightweight boats that we can't like take a crow hop and set the hook. Right. So you, you just want it nice and slow and then, you know, set the hook as hard as you can because you're creating that slack. But generally, like you're saying, Lance, it's a couple casts at these visual targets and you're moving on. So front anchors are really not, man, they're not used a, a, a whole lot really. Usually the, the, when I use the front anchor, it's, it's on larger rivers where I have channel targets that larger areas to fish. So when you're talking creek fishing, I really don't use a front anchor at all. Exactly. I, I, I'd get out and use a wade strap, like, you know, like that, the Crescent yeah. Sholey's got that wade strap for the front handle. I would get out and use that way more in a creek and just fish waiting on, you know, obviously if you're not in a tournament uh, that requires you to be in the kayak, but for fun fishing, yeah, just get out and wade your way up and until <clears throat> it gets over your head or over too high for you to, you know, wade. All right, so let's let's talk about that straps and waiting. The I know, like the Sholey, is it usually something that you're attaching? I see people do it different ways, where they're attaching it to their waist, or they're just they're drag. They have a strap with a handle, and then they're just putting it somewhere, and then fishing, walking around, and fishing from there. Is it what? What do you carry? I guess I use a. I just have like a I have a rope that's the same length as the boat, so I can get all the way to the. Back. Out unclipping, but I, I have a carabiner and I clip it the loops on my life vest. Um, yeah, and that way, you know, the rope is the same length as a boat. So if I need to get to the tackle box in the back, I don't have to unclip and all that. So I can just walk back there. But it's not so long that it's just, you know, ungainly. Yeah, that's basically what I do. I mean, the Sholey straps about that length, about seven seven foot um or so where i can get to the back you know what i mean uh of every you know with the black pack or whatever it is back there and uh i just clip it either to my belt loops if i've got a belt loop you know pair of shorts or something or uh, i've used a life jacket with a carabiner like lance is saying so but here, the thing is i i am more efficient if i'm 
if I don't have to get out of the kayak, I don't. I stay in it, just keep moving, making those cup, you know, quick casts, just keep going. Then you got to get out to like like Lance is saying these paddle up trips, right? Not I don't like hardly ever get out on a downstream trip, uh, but on the paddle up trips is definitely more useful to get up a little riffle or shoal or, or whatnot. So, um, but yeah, I try to stay in the kayak if I can. Now downstream and, trips and if if it's legal, yeah, know. yeah, that's right. If yeah. it's a tournament, you gotta you gotta watch I'm, out. I'm stubborn or maybe a little bit lazy. I, I don't like getting out of the boat. Yeah. I will pull up something I probably should get out and drag up more often than that. Yeah. It, it that that habit kind of helped when the tournament stuff came along where you can't get out of the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Already practice of pulling over stuff. Well, I guess that doesn't work anymore because everybody's made it illegal, but Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know, man. It's crazy that we live in a world that you know, bass boats and bass boat tournaments, they can push pull all day long if they want to. They can Damn. do whatever they want, go wherever as far as they can get their bass boat, but in a kayak, which was made for that, we can't do that. So it's kind of ironic. <laughs> Bring back river bassing. <clears throat> oh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Yeah. So, I believe it. A ton. Well, More so lately than ever, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, when, when, whenever your tournament days are over, you got a new job. You got yeah. a job waiting on you. Can always go back to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, so, uh, life jacket, is there anything say there just, I mean, obviously you don't want an inflatable, but is there, I mean, it's, you know, just a life jacket. There's not anything specific to Creek fishing, anything like that. I mean, I think so. I mean, really? I, I, I use, uh, yeah, I, I, I literally don't know, man. I, I think I so. use the same one. I mean, obviously, like you said, don't want the inflatables, but, uh, the other life jackets, I use the Stolquist keeper. And uh, there's a couple other Stolquists I, I have, but I like ones with a lot of pockets because I do keep my phone pliers. Like there's a, a whistle. There's a lot of things that I keep in there. Super glue, hook sharpening stone. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I want like right here. At, you know, if I am out waiting to be able to use scissors, you could put little snipper nippers in there, whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's for that, at least it's, it's useful like a vest, you know, like a fly fisherman's vest that has all little, tools and stuff in it that makes sense because like on the on the hobie i have because i have so much room and little pockets for all my stuff that i would keep more of my stuff off my person and on a creek boat you would want it more on yourself because there's less room and and you might yeah. be getting out of your boat or whatever it is mm-hmm. see glad i asked see i wasn't I'm, i know i'm asking some dumb questions here but i, I feel I, that maybe I, that one wasn't as dumb I, I, thought of that because it's just something i kind of take for granted i my life vest has pockets and that's he's exactly right i just didn't think of lake fishermen not having pockets on their life jacket well, right. I, I i really because i have the the mustang camera chimera which just has one pocket for my phone then i have my whistle and my phone tether attached and i have my pliers and my knife up here but I don't have any other pockets. I mean, it's, it's not like I've, you know. Yeah. I'll tell you what, one of the best things I have on my life jacket is the quad lock. Uh, I have the quad lock case for the iPhone and it locks mm. into the, locks into place. So it's the tether and it's, you know, tethered to my life jacket, I guess. And one of those little loops they have on it, you know, and then I keep it in the pocket of course, but you know, it, it doesn't zip completely closed. So it's got the cord from the tether, but it's just kind of nice. And then I can unclip the quad lock, 
thing. If you've never seen those cases, you definitely go check them out. I'm not sponsoring anything by them. I just use it and love it. I'm a and huge. Then it's, <laughs> you got that one? Yep. Nice. I, are you, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about, though. I use it for uh, pretty much everything else, all the mounts. I stick it to the boat, my phone to the boat. Mm -hmm. is, so you have a tether with the quad lock? Yeah, just the ring. I got. I bought an extra one of those rings that pops out of the thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just tied it to, you know, the to life like jacket. Tether. Yeah, to life jacket. So when I take my phone off, just the ring piece is left in that pocket to a, a cord. And okay. I put it back in there, and it's it's just in there. So when I, trust me, I drop my phone all the time, and so now when I do it in a tournament setting, it just falls down, and it's, I just pull it back up at the cord, so it's not in the water. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. There you go. At paddle, is there, I mean, obviously, because you're paddling more, you want a great paddle with a pedal kayak. You, you know, I'm not going to use it as much. So, in that situation, maybe you're spending less money on the boat. So, you want to spend more money on the paddle, I'm sure. Um, I like a longer paddle, and it's got to be something I can lean on. Um, not, I mean, I'm, I'm not a gear connoisseur, <laughs> but the, the paddle, I think I branches that I've used for years and I have not been able to break that thing. And, uh, I use it as a push pole and everything. And it's, it's longer than, I can't remember how long it is, maybe 290 longer than it should be for my Damn. height. Um, it's, two, wow. it's long. Um, really a two ninety? I don't make me lie. It's 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 longer than it's supposed to be for my height. Um, but um, I don't know what what would it uh, what would normal be for? Probably. I mean, two sixty. Yeah, two sixty five is long. Maybe it's two seventy or two seventy five. Yeah. It's, it's as long as I could get. I don't, um, yeah, I don't know how long <clears throat> they make them. Mine, I usually go with around a two forty. Really? 240. Okay. Go short. 250. But it's not really, I mean, your full blades but, in the water. I mean, you have higher gunnels on your kayak too, though. So maybe your paddle strokes are a little flatter than in a, like the Sholey. Maybe it's a little bit more, less flat. I, I don't know. And I, I sit I way up on, I've, I've built a high rise seat for my, my command. Okay. I'm sitting like, two feet off the water <laughs> yeah that's why yeah yeah that's that's why but also, it also helps when i'm using it as a push pole too to have that length um, yeah when you're standing as well yeah yeah when you're standing because i'm usually standing when i'm push pulling right all right that I use, I mean, just that's I use two forty bending branches Angler Pro, and I have a hard time. I mean, I nothing's unbreakable, but I it's there's one I had. I'm telling you what, man, it the the uh, the rounded it fiberglass, you know, part of the the blade. It's no longer the original shape. I'll tell you that much. It is like just worn down where it's like sliced. You know, it's just unreal. But I love it when it gets worn like that because it's very grippy and you can, like you're saying, whenever you need to push off something or push, it doesn't just slide right off because it's just such a brand new smooth edge. You know, it's just, it's nice. It's real grippy and kind of push off rocks and almost like, you know, catches them for you. So it helps you kind of push paddle. Get it nice and 
yeah, nice and broken in. But um, but anyway, I've I never did... bought like, I've never bought like a super like Ava Angler Ace, and that's the last few I've had have been not few but three I've had have been Angler Ace because I'm I never wanted to get the Pro because I was so worried about it, you know, buying a super nice paddle and messing it up. But you don't have a problem with them either, huh? No, no. It's nice. It's it's cool because okay, the Angler Pro is lightweight, and if you think about it, if you're paddling, like you said, you you do have a pedal drive, then every single repetition is wearing you down the heavier it is. So getting that lightest weight paddle possible is certainly helpful, and of course having the strength. Uh, but it, another thing I do have on mine is is actually the plus ferrule version, so it can go from 240 to 255. So when I am standing, I'll extend it out, or some days I just want it already extended out because i know i'm going to be standing a lot or you know like you're saying using it as a push pole lance then i'll i'll extend it out 255 so i can adjust it that's what's cool about it if i need to drop the seat low i'll drop the seat low and use it in, in 240 to get in some white water you know kind of when i'm dropping the seat down so but that does bring up another good point that you said we haven't even talked about is just a good most of your we're talking creeks here not rivers and this still probably applies to most rivers but most of your good river uh, and creek boats, especially creek, are going to be paddling boats, not not drives, not pedal drives. I mean, you can certainly go up a creek and make it work, but I, man, you, you can learn this lesson on your own if you want. Trust me, I've done it a million times. But if there's anything that's a moving part on a creek and river kayak, it will get broken. It will. And so, less is more when it comes to creek boats. Uh, that probably goes with the gear in general. Mm-hmm even your fishing equipment that's uh, uh, it's, it's like bargain bin reels and stuff, basically not, really, but you know, like a Boo Garcia black mags is you can pick up for like 40 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't take, I really don't have a lot of super nice high end stuff anyway. That's just not the way I roll, but I, I don't take the stuff that I do have to, that, that doesn't go to the Creek. I take the cheap stuff. Yeah. It's true, I mean, man. I, yeah, I I grew up canoeing, and I mean, it's funny now I'm on a lake because even the, I I grew up on the coast, saltwater, but we would go canoeing in the rivers in South Mississippi, and like anything you have on the rivers just destroyed. You know, I mean, it it, it just doesn't last at all. It's it's such a harsh environment to be in. Yeah, yeah. especially over there, Dan, because you get so much sand. Yeah, and if you get I mean, you get sand in your reels and it chew the gears. In your up. ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that, that, this is a question I have. What <laughs> shoes are y'all wearing? I, I know what you wear, Lance, the, the five fingers, right? Yep. Because anytime, anytime I do it, I'm always getting sand and rocks in my shoes. And I, I know Lance, uh, Luke Turner went, that's one of our creek guys here. He was at the, he was over there at the Westbrook deal. So Dan, I know you must have met him. He's a he's a character, but he he wears booties because his rocks doesn't doesn't go in the boot. He like NRS the lower boots. He wears those because rocks don't go in. What? How do you keep rocks out of your damn shoes in, uh, in the creeks? Much that in the wintertime, I wear the it's not an NRS. It's the Bass Pro knockoffs. They actually have felt bottoms. Um, I'll use those. In the winter, in the summer, I used to go barefoot. Um, a couple shards of glass ended that. Hardcore. Um, <laughs> but five fingers, 
um, or about as close as I can get, I can still use my toe because I'll in, instead of having felt bottoms in the winter time, I'll actually use my toes to grip rocks. Um, and the five fingers let me do that. So, and they do a pretty good job keeping rocks out too because they're so skin tight. Well, I don't. I tell you what, man, I don't fish much anymore except for when, when I go to these tournaments. And there's a, you know, obviously rules about not getting out of your kayaks in these tournaments. So yeah. the shoes have become something I have not figured out or mastered because I've never had to because I can't get out of the kayak anyway. So I literally just stay in the kayak and I don't, you know, don't get out. So I'm not too concerned about finding the exact perfect best shoe anymore because I don't have you a lot can. of time to fun fish when I'm at home or anything because I'm family and whatnot. So it's not forced me to really find the best solution. I, I, I mean, I've. I've had sponsors, you know, Under Armour at one point. Now I'm with AFCO. They don't have shoes, but Under Armour did. I've worn the some NRS stuff. I've worn some Astrals. I've been through so many. But the rock thing, back when I was getting out and, and wading in, in the rivers a lot more, uh, non-tournament drew, uh, I, that was always a problem. I mean, shaking them out. That's why, I mean, I'd love to just, if I don't have to get out, it's another reason why I don't. And I love just wearing, like, sandals, just flip-flop sandals, and just being out there getting sun because it gives me some cushion when I actually am standing and fishing. And then, it's you know, I don't know. So I found some cheapos on Amazon, and they're kind of like five fingers, but they're not like the individual toes, but they're thin, so you can grip, like Lance is like saying. Three toes or something. <laughs> Four <Yeah>. toes. <laughs> half the cost, half the toes. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like but it. They're, but they're kind of like that. They're cool. They were only like 20 or 30 bucks, and I pretty much go through one pair a, a season. I mean, I just used them for the first time this last year. And I said, if I get one season out of them for like, you know, 25, 30 bucks, then I'm good. And that's pretty much what I got out of them. And, you know, there's a few times when I'm loading and unloading or pre-fishing that I did get out, you know, during uh, pre-fishing, and, and I ran into that problem. But I just quickly had to slip them off and, you know, shake them out, get some water in them, shake them out. It was but. Yeah, and the, the the five fingers aren't perfect either because they, they work great as long as the rocks are pretty big. But if you get in sand, sand will pack into them too. So and you'll have to mm. take they'll start yeah. sizes too small, and you'll look down and your your feet look like they're bloated, and you take them off and dump half a pound of sand out of them. But, I always right. wonder with Luke too, like in the summer, like yeah, man, it's my hot. feet, my feet would yeah, yeah. I'd be sweating. Yeah. I'll bet you that dude's got some funky feet, man. Yeah, he, man. He, he's not listening to us anyway, so that's all right. <laughs> no, that's all right, man. The summer is what I was thinking. That's the problem about those boots. The boots are the way to go. It sounds great. They're taller, yeah. but, man, I couldn't do it in the summer. I want to be in board shorts and flip-flops. I, you know, it's I, – I just can't figure it out, dude. We can put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out good river shoes in this country. So yeah. something – I, I can't put the flip-flops because of my complexion. <laughs> the tops of my feet would be you know burnt. nuclear yeah. i've been burnt a couple of times and i'm like head to toe covered nowadays like i've I've had my like especially like right above your knees whenever you wear shorts oh man oh yeah the inner so, thighs yeah, and the kayak oh, <laughs> yep. that's the worst so i stay totally covered now i have to you know have some kind of shoe on i'm the same way long, long, yeah yeah, exactly. Long, long pants guys are, I, I'm not the best at it. I don't always do this and I should, but long pants are the way to go. It doesn't, I mean, really in the summer, even unless you're just putting in some easy access, but when I'm scouting in tournaments and doing stuff and walking through the woods, just kind of 
get, getting really in the thick of it, just pre-fishing kind of days, I always forget to put on pants and I end up just getting all those prick prickler, uh, not prick, yeah, the spiky things, the thorns, any, yeah, the anything like that. Oh man. That cucker barrels. Yes. Dude, there's yeah. stuff up in, I mean, God, man, there's stuff I forget about up in the uh, Northern part of this country that is sharp. They're like pieces of grass that are just cut you like sharp. I can't remember where Wisconsin or Champlain or somewhere. I can't remember, but, and then in the South there's, you go to, other places and it's just you got all that growth and and snakes and everything so long pants are probably the way to go last summer me and coley mcgowan walked through a a uh like a whole grove of stinging nettle yeah trying to get into a place that stuff that was uh that was not fun no dang so what's that what yeah, y'all have to, uh, I, I got to get a story here. Like, what's the craziest launch you've ever done? Oh, jeez. I, can, I can't even imagine what the, what Dude. kind of crazy shit shenanigans y'all have gotten into. I, I know, Drew, you were talking about before, uh, like, you were in Florida, and you were, like, mm-hmm. pet, paddling over alligator heads. Like, they were in that creek. But how, how about, like, launch? Like down, I know, Lance, you've done like you use a winch or something, right? Um, I've there's, used there's all kind of stories about Lance around here about <laughs> kind of the stuff he gets into. I let's see, most of probably my difficult launches involve almost repelling, <laughs> right? I, I know, uh, there's a couple I, I use in Alabama that, uh, I this is the reason I like the commander because I actually set it on my shoulder. It's built like a canoe, so I can put the gun on my shoulder, and I can just I can set that boat on my shoulder and walk down a cliff face, and come back up that way too. I just have the boat kind of parallel to the to the cliff, and I'm just using my free hand to <laughs> step up. Um, and let's see, one time. Uh, me and Tim Perkins was doing one like that, and uh, he accidentally seal launched his boat without him. <laughs> so, but what seal launch? Yeah, he, so we were letting the boats down the cliff face, and I don't know what I don't know if the rope broke or if he it slipped and he let go of it, but his boat just shot out into the river, and um, it was early season. Like I was actually still in my thermal underwear; I hadn't put my waders on yet, <laughs> and I. I I jumped in my boat in my thermal underwear and chased his boat down the river before it got away from us. So we got some pretty crazy launches. Yeah, there's definitely been uh, some stuff like that. I've had a boat get away from me the exact same way, but I was by myself and I had to run back up to my truck and my keys were in my life jacket pocket. Hit unlock on my truck. I had one rod left in the truck with a bait on it. I had to get it quickly, get out there and cast it and catch my kayak to bring it back in a tournament too. So I had to, really needed that <laughs> wow so that was cool do you have you lost your your kayak a lot down the river like if you're wading and then you you know like you attach your your rope to your belt loop or your belt loop breaks and your your kayak goes down the river things like that happen a lot dude i, I think it happens a couple of times you get hypersensitive to yeah. it yeah <laughs> um I've lost a paddle before. Oh yeah, a couple of times I had to like lay on my belly and and like breaststroke. <laughs> yep, I, I've done that, man. We don't. Use, I don't use a paddle leash, and I know Lance doesn't. 
a lot of people will do that, but again, that's like less is more. And I know it's, you can yeah, lose your paddle, but man, it's kind of annoying having that leash there getting in the way yeah. all the time. And, and not only that, I, I don't like just um, in case, even yeah. like, so with the, with the uh, tether, when you're waiting, I take it off when I'm in the boat. I don't use rod leashes. I don't use paddle leashes. Cause I'm thinking like, all right, what if I flip this thing? Yeah. I want to be able to get out of that thing without right. getting tangled up in something. Right. So I don't use paddle leashes. I don't use rod leashes and, and my tether. I unclip it and I stow it. I wad it up and stow it in the very front of the boat. So it's not somewhere on me or even close to me. So that's one thing you got to keep in mind. And, <clears throat> and, um, that kind of brings up a point about, you know, with the, um, I think one of the arguments that was made about the designated launches, cause people were doing like dangerous stuff and, access in dangerous waters and like it's only dangerous if you're not equipped for it if i took my commander out in the middle of lake gunnersville that would be dangerous as well right um it's safety is born from experience and equipment so as long as you're prepared on both those fronts it's no more dangerous than anything else yeah exactly keep that doing this stuff um go with other people and until you learn these lessons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you, Lance, hundred percent, man. It's only like d- dangerous is being in a kayak in the middle of the summer with party boats and jet skis all around in the middle of the lake. That's dangerous. Or being in the middle of Lake Erie or Lake St. Clair. And in April, KBF has a tournament in St. Clair. The water will be, you know, in the forties or, or something probably, or, or, or like maybe low fifties. I don't know. But with this weather we've had, who knows? <laughs> but yeah. uh, but anyway, it's going to be cold, and that's dangerous. Three, four miles offshore in a kayak, that is dangerous. That's more dangerous than being on land trying to slowly get a boat, a kayak, down a cliff with a rope or something. You know, some of these places that are public, it, you might have. It's not often. It really isn't. It hardly even these, – these stories are so embellished. It's it's crazy. I mean, I've had some, some places that I've – it's been challenging to put in um, or take out, I should say. Putting in is never really a challenge, correct? <laughs> gravity kind of helps there <laughs> but um taking out you know definitely is um and my tacomas helped me out you know four-wheel drive uh more than on one occasion for sure but uh yeah a lot of this stuff is overblown uh, it's embellished it's just very much embellished and um and maybe it's used by certain people to push agendas i don't know i, I don't really know i can't say man I'm, I'm too busy to worry about that i'm just kind of living my own life and, and doing what i love and i'm going to continue to do that regardless of what you know the rules are in, at any tournament and if they're not fun anymore, then I just I'll stop stop fishing them because it's my love for fishing wild places and kayak fishing. For the reason I got into kayak fishing, is greater than my love, and I do have a passion for competition. But this is way more powerful, and I, and that's that's what I got to remember. I got into this to have fun, to fish those places, to simplify things, and that's what I do. So, they, I I, also, I think being more dangerous to kind of touch on that point is actually having a rule that says you have to stay in your kayak. Because if you come to a strainer or somewhere or a class three rapid, it's more dangerous to tell someone you got to stay in as opposed to, hey, whatever you feel would be most safe for you and your skill level, which is what Lance is alluding to. It's on your skill level. Whatever is safer for you is what you need to do. That means getting out, you know, perfectly legal to go around something in a river or creek in a kayak. And that's why we have these as tools. Then 
I want then I would I would I wish the tournament trails would let you do that because that is safer for the anglers to get out and instead of being forced to go under a strainer lose all your you know and no one's forcing you to go there but in competition you will try anglers will try to do whatever they can to get to the fish obviously and so um, then you could lose all your gear potentially your life I mean there's a lot of bad things that can happen when you are forced to stay in and then still try to get you know under or through or, you know, whatever down a rapid or up a rapid or whatever hey man I, I, you know talking about the rules and all that i, I just i hate it for y'all i have some I, I really have so much respect for what y'all do i know lance you like for me i fish a lake i pedal around i motor around it's not that difficult i i truly have a lot of respect for y'all and what you do and how much effort and the amount of research that you have to do for launches and, and just the skills, the skill set that you've put in learned over time, man, I, you know, I, I hate, I hate our sport. Hopefully at one, it's always hard to come back from rules, but I sure hope after this year, they take a look at it and say, wow, we've really taken a lot of our roots and what makes our sport great. And, and, and it swings back the other way because, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm never going to agree with designated launches yeah. and things like that because it forces, like, you can't just paddle now. Like, yeah. I, I remember the guy that won, he was up in New York or wherever it was. He won on the, the Beaver Chapo and he flipped twice, I think. And yeah. he was just paddling like that guy. I don't know. I, he's I just, not good. Yeah. He's not good. Yeah. Now you can't, you can't for sure. And now I'll, I'll bring some hope to the end of this. Cause I know we're probably wrapping up soon, but yeah. major league fishing, the, one of the largest organizations just went to five fish limit back from, from unlimited fish. I mean, at every level you can, you can always change and go and go back or go forward or do whatever you got to do. The NFL changes rules every single year and makes minor tweaks and corrections. And, and again, it's, it, you know, to make their product better. And if we, if, if people feel the way you feel and the way we feel, then I'm sure, you know, they'll, they'll consider making changes or figuring out ways to accomplish whatever they were trying to accomplish with that rule, you know, a different way, you know what I'm saying? Because I think it, I think, I mean, no one's ever won a tournament to my knowledge with somebody that, or even has to check that, that launched somewhere, you know, illegally or, you know, or got out of their kayak and portage when they weren't allowed. So, um, I, you know, by making designated launches, I, I can see how, you know, you would uh, alleviate the fears of people who are think that there's just these people that are just doing whatever in the world they feel like they're, they want to do. But I just don't, I haven't seen that ever being the case. And, um, and then by putting designated launches, I don't really know what it solves if you don't have somebody checking everyone in at those launches, because this, the same thing can still happen now. So what did it, what did it solve? You know what I mean? Like yeah. people can still do whatever they want. I mean. You're not checking them in, so they could be launching or whatever. So I don't know how it alleviates any of those fears. But anyway, that's just the old TD and me kind yeah. of just looking at it and seeing what if we, you know, I think people are just more tight now. They're just more crammed in a 25,000-acre lake is fishing like a 10,000 or 15,000-acre lake instead because we're all at specific launches that we can only go so far in kayaks. We don't have an outboard. So people are going to be within three miles m more often than not of – of that ramp. So well, there you go. Well, dad, 
before I let y'all go, I want to give you a chance to shout out any sponsors. I know, Drew, you have a lot going on. Uh, Lance, we'll start with you, man. I just got a Wilderness Systems and, and Redline Lures. Um, Redline. That's right. I, I was admiring their spinner baits the other day. Love their spinner baits. Yeah, about- there you go. <laughs> and Drew, you have you have whole classes about this. Tell everybody about that, man. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys can follow me on social media. I, I'm sure a lot of people, um, hopefully, you already do. It's just Drew Gregory Fishing out there on every everywhere. But um, I won't get into all the sponsors, whatnot. You guys can kind of see what I, you know, what I use and whatnot on the. Um, social media, but I do, I did seek out, you know, every sponsor, I'll say that I, I sought them all out. I used the products before I was with them. And, uh, so I, I'm using things that obviously I've used before and I believe in. And so there's a reason why, but I will say about what you're talking about. I did just start, start some classes, uh, at drewgregory.com. It's not fully like done, but you can still get on there right now and check it out where they're virtual on- online courses where we can go in more in depth on topics that, you know, Lance and Dan and I all talked about here today. Uh, so I have two classes uh, on river bassing. So one's like a beginner and then the next one is an intermediate advanced. And then uh, you can sign up for either one of those. And then the next three are tournament, you know, strategy courses, online tools and research before you get to your venue and then pre-fishing strategies once you're there and then tournament day strategies. So those are the three courses. They're like a couple hours long no more than, you know, five to nine people max, uh, in these online, it basically is going to look just like, like we look now, uh, guys, it's going to be, it's just gonna be a few more little squares here and people can kind of communicate. We can ask questions. I can get to know people. I just didn't want to post all, all the juice on YouTube for the entire world to see, because then if everyone gets to see it, then does anyone really have an advantage? Does anyone have the juice if everyone gets the juice? So, um, plus I don't have time to post constantly on YouTube to get, you know, to make the income, the business model where you're posting a ton and then you get obviously the advertising revenue. I got, you know, the job and the, the wife and the kids and the everything. So my, my business model, I'd much rather do it this way and get to know people one-on-one, like, you know, five to nine people. I can get to know you, see what your goals are, cheer you on, you know, during the season uh, as you take hopefully some of the stuff we've learned in the class and go, help yourself finish a little bit better in tournaments or just catch more fish, fun fishing. So I love that part about it personally, that, that like really getting to know somebody and make, creating that bond with them and then getting to cheer them on. That's cool. I like it. Heck yeah, man. And you have a class this weekend, right? I have a, a it's a, this is an in-person seminar. That's a class. Yeah. It's a Sholey school down in, um, and it's sold out, you know, 125 people. Oh, is it? Oh, out. okay. Yeah. It, uh, so that's a Flint river keeper, uh, basically just a fundraiser for for them and essentially the shoal bass. And we're going to give away a Crescent Shoaly kayak there to, to a raffle and raise money for the shoal bass. So always a good cause when you're trying to support a fish that's as rare. It's not an endangered fish, but it's certainly – I don't know what the next one is. Uh, Lance, you may know. If it's not endangered, it's something else. But uh, threatened or something. It's Yeah, threatened, I think. Only it's, – it's, Yeah. Uh, it's probably not – too far off from being endangered the way things yeah, are going it's probably not it's the only place in the world they live so anyway but yeah that's surely school and uh if you missed it this year check it out next year it'll be in macon georgia again and i hope i can make it as one of the speakers uh, along with the other biologists and that that talk about the shoal bass there there you go well appreciate y'all watching we'll do a part two and you know hopefully in a few weeks and and we'll kind of actually get in i have some other questions about uh 
rods. I know, Drew, you have specific thoughts on rods and, and setups and how many rods and, you know, a little bit of going into some of the specifics of actually what you're looking for and, and pre-fishing, just the basic stuff. But uh, we'll do a part two before too long. I appreciate y'all being on and, and we'll see everybody here before too long. Thank y'all for listening. All right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thanks.